It's time for episode 540 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that runs at, at, at 30 frames per second or, or something. I don't know. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my friend, noted author, Dan the Man Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Micah. So if it's 30 frames per second and 60 seconds per minute and 30 minutes in the show, there's 54,000 frames in this episode. Is that right? I can't do math. Ooh, don't make me do math, Dan. It's too early in the morning where I am. <laughs> um, while someone else writes that down on a napkin and does the calculations, let us say hello to our wonderful guests. To my left, it's podcaster, fiber artist, and friend to nerds everywhere. It's Aline Sims. Hi, Aline. Nerds everywhere. Wow. Hello, friends. <laughs> <laughs> and to my left, it's photographer and creator at large. Check out his podcast at ampruitt.com slash podcast. It's Ann Pruitt. Welcome back, Ann. Hello, gents. How are you all doing? And I got to tell you, in the words of the great Dale Gribble, I don't quite follow your math, but I do admire your passion. <laughs> <laughs> that is the nicest thing that I feel like a teacher has ever said, a math teacher has ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Let us get this rolling. We've got four topics in just 30 minutes. And here's mine. Uh, just tell me about one or two of your favorite PC or Mac apps, the apps that you use on the platform that you really enjoy, that you dig. Uh, Aline, we'll start with you. I don't sit at my Mac very often anymore. I, I'm either on my phone, my iPad mini, or my iPad Pro most of the time. So I've got to go with GoodNotes, which I use to sync across all of my creative Apple devices. Um, and that's mostly because I am never not knitting. And GoodNotes is where I keep my knitting patterns. It syncs my progress and my notes and my highlights and everything it's great because now I'm sitting at my computer and I've got the notes that I keep that, you know, I updated last night on my iPad Pro. Also, because when I am sitting at my computer, I am almost always podcasting. I have to go with Audio Hijack. I've used it for years to record my end of um, podcasts and it is always solid. Uh, the only times I've ever had an any kind of issue with it is when I've been silly enough to install beta operating systems on my Mac. <laughs> so those are, I think, my two stalwart friends. Those are good. And you stole one of mine because Audio Hijack was definitely near the top of my list. And I will asterisk that to say the only times I've ever had problems with Audio Hijack, it's because I did something bad, <laughs> um, which we'll talk about later in the show. But uh, the things that popped out to me, so the top pick, uh, BB Edit. BB Edit's an app I've been using forever. I mean, it's been around almost as long as the Mac has been around. For those who aren't familiar, it is a text editor, but it is so, so much more than that. Um, I use it to write my Macworld columns every week, which I write in Markdown. I use it whenever I delve into programming, whether that's PHP or Python 
Um, it's got all the features you want from like doing programming stuff, including like syntax highlighting and the ability to like look up language information. Um, they just added their most recent version integration with chat GPT. So you can actually just like summon chat GPT while you're typing in like a text document. Ooh. Like if you're halfway through a programming script, and you're like, oh, I need something to do this. You just type, can you like just insert a routine here to do this? And it just hit a button and it just does it inside your document that you're editing, which is wild to me. Um, it's like really like actually having like a little AI buddy there for you. So BB edit, just amazing. Anytime you want to work with any text, just great. Um, the other one I'll throw out there is screens, which is a screen sharing app I've used for a super long time. Uh, I live in the two Mac household. So I'm sometimes on my laptop downstairs and I think to myself, oh, I was doing something on that, on uh, the Mac mini upstairs and I can just easily screen share from the menu and, and jump back there. Um, it even works to have with the screens connect app. You can do it remotely, uh, without having to worry about configuration stuff. So sometimes when I've been away from home and I've been on either my iPhone or my iPad, even because they have screens has clients for that, I can just go to my Mac at home and like do stuff there or fix something there or close a document there that I need to close. So that one's been just invaluable for me as a uh, screen sharing client over the years. Ant, what about you? Most of the time, um, it's been photography related stuff or video editing stuff. But here recently, I've been dis- I've been diving into trying to uh, relaunch my podcast and playing with different tools. And Bitfocus.io has a app called Companion. And Companion is an app that you can use with a Stream Deck or um, an ATEM Mini or any or any of these production devices. But it basically utilizes the Stream Deck to control the ATM mini and other different devices and even OBS and so forth. And supposed to make things a lot more easier as far as doing broadcast and recording. And so far playing around with it has been quite fun because you can set up different macros and have this button do five different things. And it's, it's pretty slick and it's open source and free, uh, quite nerdy, (laughs) but, um, you don't necessarily have to get as nerdy in it. They, they do have a lot of pre-programmed things right there in the, in the app for you. Cool. Yeah, that's bitfocus.io. For me, I'm going to choose uh, one app that I use regularly because I have it pop up and do its thing every day. And it's an app called Mac Updater. Mac Updater is an app that catalogs the apps that you have and then helps you with making sure that your apps are up to date. Mac Updater is fantastic because it will help you uh, keep all of your apps up to date, but it also does a bunch of other stuff like showing you uh, what the current version is, what newer versions are. It does a lot of security stuff behind the scenes to check to make sure that, you know, you're actually downloading from the source that you're meaning to. Uh, It has some stuff like fallbacks if an app kind of requires you to use its own updater. It's really quite cool uh, and very simple to use, and I very much dig it. Uh, the other app I'm going to mention is an app called Bunch. Uh, Bunch is an automator uh, for the Mac that basically you just, once you understand how it works, where you you kind of type in some plain text into a file, Bunch looks at that file and then will open applications, uh, downsize windows. Uh, it it Pairs with Moom, which is a sort of window movement app on the Mac, uh, so that you can basically set up different 
bunches for different tasks that you might do, and it'll properly open up Safari, take you to the right pages, uh, launch your audio hijack. It's really quite cool, uh, made by Brett Terpstra. Dude, that sounds like macros on steroids. It is macros on steroids. It's so cool. Uh, So thank you all for your answers on that. And hopefully we've all been inspired to get some new apps. Aline, tell us about your topic. All right. So it's February. It's going to start getting hot here soon because I live in the desert. Um, And I'm really finding myself wanting to go on photo walks before it's 95 degrees in like two and a half weeks. Um, But my digital camera is really, really old. My iPhone camera is far superior, um, even with good lenses on on my camera. And so I'm wondering about what your favorite apps are for taking, editing, and or sharing photos on iPhone, Android, iPad, rather than on a computer with a keyboard type situation. Okay. Um, as I think I've discussed before, I am super basic. I take my photos in the camera app on the iPhone. I have some of the other ones. There are some great third-party camera apps like Halide and Halide. I don't know. Uh, and Obscura. Um, I just don't. I don't know enough to really take advantage of them. And I feel like for me, I just want to get a quick snapshot. I don't want to mess around with settings. So that's mainly what I do. I don't really edit photos after the fact. Occasionally, I'll play around with something in the you know Photos app or in, um, I guess, Acorn is the tool I use the most on my Mac for editing photos, but I don't really use anything on my iPhone. Like, again, I always feel like I'm going to make it look worse. Like, oh, the computer is so smart and takes such good pictures. Who am I to tell the computer how to make a picture look better? Um, so that's my bizarre, bizarre headspace. I don't know. Um, as far as sharing photos goes, I, you know, I use Instagram, obviously, a little bit. Not very much. The main outlet I have for sharing photos is for sharing pictures of my kid, which is I use the iCloud um, shared albums, photos share albums to share with my parents and my in-laws and some other family members so we can post pictures of our kid without having it on the wider social media. And there were the family all gets to see pictures of the kid and comment on them and stuff like that, which is great. Honestly, that's a feature I think is fantastic. And Apple should, um, you know, make some more updates too, because it's good, but it could be better. Yeah. and that's all I'm going to say about that, because I'm guessing Ant probably has better answers than me. So I'll see the rest of my time, Tim. If you mean better, you mean I agree with you 100 um, <laughs> percent. Well, those are great ideas then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, there, there are a bunch of apps out there, but the smartphone camera has gotten so much better over the years. The stock apps are totally fine. Uh, I'm not an iPhone user. I know, gasp. Uh, I'm a Pixel user, and the stock Android camera app works totally fine. And even if you want to do your processing, Google Photos built into Android has all the tools that most people would need, uh, be it exposure, contrast, saturation, cropping, even AI to remove stuff in it, uh, which I think goes a little too far at times. But for the most part, there's no real need to invest into these other apps nowadays. Back in the days, yeah. Nowadays, not. Things are pretty much caught up on the stock side of things. 
Uh, so for me, I use the built-in camera app for capturing photos in almost every case. When it comes to editing photos, though, I actually do um, when I'm not just using photos itself, because for some photos, that's all it takes. But if I take a photo and I really want it to look its best, I will open up Pixelmator. Pixelmator is fantastic for me because it has some AI uh, tools for changing saturation and brightness and exposure. And I would say seven times out of 10, it does a very good job. It makes the photo look how I think I would want it to look. Uh, three times out of 10, it looks wild. And then I just undo it. And then I, d- I don't you know, mess with the photo. Uh, so I, yeah, there is a third party app that I use in that case. But uh, for the most part, I keep it to the defaults too. Um, Aline, did we help you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just in awe of what we can do with our little pocket computers. Like it just, it consistently blows me away the photos that I can get just using the stock photo app. Um, I do like shooting in raw. Well, before when I took a lot of photos, I liked shooting in raw just because it you know, more information to manipulate if there was something I wanted to do to um, exposure, or trying to bring out different elements of the photo. Um, but like, I haven't done that since Lightroom was released on um, iPad OS and iOS. So um, I, what I'm hearing is that I get to do a lot of tech exploration in the next few weeks <laughs> to figure out um, what I like to do, which is fun. Speaking of fun times, let's go to halftime so I can tell you about our sponsor this week. It's Ecamm. Ecamm Live, it's the leading video production and live streaming studio built for the Mac. Purpose built for the Mac. Ecamm does all aspects of video, not just live streaming. So don't get confused by that name, Ecamm Live, and think you have to be a Twitch streamer playing video games. Although if you are, it's great for that too. Uh, But it is great even if you are not doing live streaming. It's perfect for simplifying your workflow. It's easy enough to get started quickly, but powerful enough that you can create just about anything with video and you can do it all with the Ecamm app. I use this application regularly. Each week, I use it to record a show I do called Hands on Mac. That is not something that's live streamed anywhere. I plop down in front of my computer I hit the record button on Ecamm. I'm able to bring up uh, a Mac screen if I want to. I can show my iPhone on screen, my iPad on screen, talk about these different things, have me in the corner or wherever I need to be, uh, switch between different views. I have used it for uh, some kind of like high level production stuff where we had multiple people calling in and we're switching between different views of us all talking to one another and then going into a view where there's a map on the screen. I mean, it is pretty incredible just how powerful Ecamm is. And honestly, it's one of the most common questions I get anytime there's a video of mine that gets shared. Someone ends up inevitably uh, messaging me to ask me, hey, how did you get your iPhone to show up on your screen like that? It's Ecamm Live. Whether you're streaming, recording, podcasting, presenting, everything is there in Ecamm, including support for multiple cameras and screen sharing, and a live camera switcher that lets you direct the show in real time. You can stand out from the crowd with high-quality video, add logos and titles and lower thirds and graphics, share your screen, drop in video clips, bring on interview guests, use a green screen, and even more, Ecamm Live does it all. The members are entrepreneurs, podcasters, educators, bloggers, content creators, 
creators of all kinds. And you out there listening to this can get one month free today at ecamm.com slash clockwise using the code clockwise. That's a whole month free of Ecamm Live at ecamm.com slash clockwise with the code clockwise. So go there now, check it out. And of course, our thanks to Ecamm for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, folks, we are back from halftime, and that means it's time for Dan's topic. So uh, we've seen a lot this week in the Vision Pro reviews that have been coming out and people's usage of the Vision Pros as they've hit the streets. Personas, the digital created avatar that you use in FaceTime. I think the responses have ranged from, I mean, like, you know, okay, could be worse to, oh, my God, creepiest thing ever. I'm curious to know your opinions of do you think these will ever be good enough to be acceptable? Are they already acceptable or is it just never gonna get there and let's start with you well my thoughts on it is it's yes it's a little bit creepy right now but they will be acceptable at some point because i think apple is going to put in the work to make things a little bit better looking and a little bit more functional but i mean look back at the memoji those things are pretty acceptable now and half the time those things look just as cringy in my opinion they look like a weird version of yourself um some people are fine with that, and some people are like, eh, you can keep that. I, I, I don't do the Memoji thing because, again, not an iPhone person, but I don't know if I really want that version of myself out there <laughs> on the web. But, yeah, I think it'll still be acceptable going down the road. What's not acceptable is the other behavior that's coming with the Vision Pro that people are putting out there just for clicks. But that's another story. <laughs> Our brains adapt very quickly. Um, and I was on a FaceTime call, uh, just a couple of days ago with two other people who also had vision pros and we were all talking to each other, obviously via our personas. And we ended up playing a card game together and, and just hanging out, chatting, blah, 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 blah. And at first, you know, we're looking at each other and laughing at all of the things that make us look strange and are not who we, you know, know ourselves to be and see ourselves to be. But we all ended up remarking at some point near the end of our conversation, how quickly we went from these are weird versions of ourselves to just like, oh, no, that is this person. That is this person. We are just chatting with each other. And so I think the details are weird and they've got stuff to iron out. But yeah, our brains just adapt and we get used to it. And we have hundreds of thousands of years of, of evolution and uh, sort of learned behavior that pushes us to make quick snap decisions about people, unfortunately, in some cases, based on their appearance. And that means that we kind of fall to quickly going, I see you, I've taken you in, and now I'm moving on. And I think that that works in the persona's favor, because even though you, you might look at the person the first time and have that first impression of, oh, that's not that friend that I think it is, not soon after, it's quick that uh, you just go, okay, now I'm, you know, I'm past that. I, I believe that that person is who I think they are. Um, so yeah, maybe they're there now. Maybe there's more that, there's definitely more that can be done, but I think it's okay as it is. Aline, uh, tell us your thoughts. I, I think um, I get to say on an infinite time scale, of course, um, this kind of technology is going to get better um, as we approach our Star Wars, Star Trek, holographic communication future. Um, but right now it's 
it's not great. It doesn't do great with um, people who have darker skin tones. It doesn't do great with hair. There's a video uh, The Verge did of kind of their initial review of it, not like an unboxing or anything, but like an actual review. And they had, uh, I think it was Joanna Stern on the call, and her hair was like, a weird helmet that just did not move. It was incredibly creepy. Um, so right now, I think I, I agree that our brains kind of adapt and fill in details to an extent, but there's still a high degree of kind of um, unreality and uncanny valley that's going on with these. But um, I do think that it's kind of inevitable that this kind of uh, technology, the the face scanning, 3D modeling technology is going to get better and better over time. I just, uh, I, we're not going to be in 2D space forever. So we're going to have to get with the times, I guess. Not me. I'm in 3D space right now. Whoa. Um, <laughs> oh, I just hit myself in the face. Whoa. <laughs> wow. This reality is so real. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I hear where you're all coming from with the, uh, you know, your brain's adapting. And it's true. I mean, there's lots of things our brains adapt to and we can just sort of learn to let go. Uh, not me. I cling tightly to my grievance. No, um, I <laughs> I am a little more skeptical. I think the Uncanny Valley is a very difficult problem to solve. And I don't think we're there yet, even in some of the things that are not rendered in real time. I mean, you know, looking at CGI characters in movies, some of them are a lot better than others. But, you know, I think there is still an uncanniness that is hard to get over. And I don't know if that's a thing that's surmountable by technology or not. I mean, like, I am one on the one hand, I'm always of the inclination to say, don't bet against the technology because anything you say impossible will be deemed possible within the not too distant future. But I wonder if there is something innate that's hard to capture that the technology just can't quite do. That said, I have been impressed with some of the stuff that's happening here with the personas in particular. The amount of time it takes to create these things is so fast and the results are so good for that amount of time. It's not like, you know, oh, we had to like render this whole movie and it took an hour or two hours to make it. Heck, making your voice clone on the latest version of iOS for personal voice takes like 15 to 20 minutes and then has to work like overnight for like two days. And they're mm. generating like a pretty good representation of you in like, a minute like that to me is wild so you know given that aspect i do think it's possible these things will get better and better my biggest question about them is when the when this technology moves from the people who are tech early adopters who i think are more likely to accept this into the real you know average consumer space where i think people are a little bit more turned off by it potentially i'm i'm just interested to see what the reaction is because that's my my sort of gut reaction is feeling like a lot of those people would be a little less forgiving of it. But at the same time, you know, there are certainly people who it doesn't bother as much and maybe that will be more acceptable. So I, I am, I am skeptical, but I also am not willing to like definitively say we'll never get there. So I guess this is me hedging my bets. But thank you all for your <laughs> thoughts. I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Uh, let's go to our last topic, which comes from Ant. Okay, so Blue Sky uh, has now been set to be open for everyone. It used to be an invite-only option for the social media platform. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, with Blue Sky being open and, and for anybody to want to jump on and have their own interactions with different people in social media on that particular platform, 
do you even care because of all of the other social media platforms that are out there that are still going and some are thriving, some are still just sort of, you know, tinkering along and, and getting a lot of controversy, but those platforms are still there. Does Blue Sky even have a chance? Does this stuff matter to any of you? I have a Blue Sky account. I got one back uh, when it, you know, launched. But to answer your question quickly and simply, no, I, I don't care. <laughs> um, Aline, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I used Twitter a lot. I, I was constantly on Twitter. I was posting to Twitter, reading my timeline, whatever. I stopped using Twitter over a year ago and went all in on Mastodon um, just because I mostly use it as a place to voice my thoughts to get them out of my brain. Um, I don't really read anything in my timeline on Mastodon. I don't I don't interact with people a whole lot. It's mostly like my little microblog, right? I have a Blue Sky account. I have since pretty early on. I have... Uh, like uh, there are so many networks now and mm-hmm. I don't know how to use them. I I don't know what to do anymore because people leaving Twitter, some people are still on Twitter. Some people are on threads. Some people are on Mastodon. Some people hate Mastodon. And I just am, I'm losing track of my friends and I feel like I'm trying to grasp to sand and it's just flowing through my fingers. Mm-hmm. Do I care about blue sky? Um, yeah, but also no, because I just am so frozen when I try to think <laughs> about social media anymore. Yeah, I get where you're coming from on that. I mean, the convenience of Twitter was that it felt like everybody was in one place and now it feels like everybody's gone to their corners. I've been on Blue Sky for a while, but it was always the place that I sort of like I would log in and like skim through like my timeline really quick and rarely post things. I think for me, the reason it has relevance is there are communities that have ended up there that are not present in my other social media communities. Um, Particularly, I find a lot of writers that I used to talk to on Twitter or follow on Twitter have moved to Blue Sky. Some of them are also on Mastodon and Threads, but a lot of them are not. And the discourse is very different. I think it's good they've opened up the um, blue sky to everybody, but I also worry that it may have missed its moment. Um, there was a you know time there where I think the degree of scarcity made it attractive, but as time went mm-hmm. around, especially as Threads launched, I think and stole a lot of their thunder. Um, I think blue sky is now ri- at risk of you know being an also ran there. I think what gives me the most hope about a future of social media is the degree to which all these services are looking at interoperability and sort of open protocols as abilities to, you know, make things more accessible and not have stuff necessarily all tied down to a single service. So mm-hmm. the the adoption of standards like ActivityPub and the Blue Skies AT protocol, like I, I I kind of imagine those might in the future merge and become something similar. And then the ability to sort of have different services, but like interoperability to me is what it should be. But that future is a ways off. I think there's a lot of shaking out that needs to be done between now and then. So good on Blue Sky. I wish them the best, but I think they may have a, a tough climb ahead of them. Ant, why don't you wrap us up? It's nice that they're still around and, and able to open this up for, for more people, but I don't think it's going to matter if there's no Apple account there, if there's no Taylor Swift or Beyonce accounts there. Um, and I feel that way about any of these other platforms out there. You need to be able to get the critical mass and 
celebrities aren't necessarily jumping to these different platforms anymore. Heck, they're not even using social in general nowadays because they're tired of being attacked. But yeah, I, I, I'm rooting for them, but I can't say that it is something that I'm just uh, going to fully invest myself in. Alrighty, folks, we are near the end of this episode of Clockwise, but we do have time for a bonus topic. My question for you is this. What is your favorite board game or card game? Aline, we'll start with you. I've got to go with Dixit, not because it's the most complicated game, but for exactly the opposite reason. It's really easy to pick up, tell new people how to play it and share. And it has beautiful, beautiful, beautiful art. Um, if you haven't heard of Dixit, go go just check out the cards because they're just gorgeous. Um, I have a lot of favorites, but I'll go with my most recent, which is a game called Wingspan, which is a game about bird watching basically i don't know it's delightful uh it is really well made it's got a you know just excellent art of all the birds you like birds it's a great game for you um and it's just a lot of fun to play with a few people i was one of the games i actually got to play within the last like month or something so that was really nice and refreshing well i'm about to show you all who the old man is in this group my favorite game card game always will be texas hold'em poker Mm -hmm. i had a feeling (laughs) um for me i'm gonna go with a game it's called code names yeah 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 code names uh for anyone who hasn't played basically there's a grid of words and there are two people who are sort of the code givers and your goal is to try to help your team guess which tiles are your teams by giving clues that correspond to groups of those tiles uh and it's really fun and you learn a lot about people and you sometimes find like kindred spirits that way and i just think it's so it's such a lovely game. If you out there listening would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year, and you will help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss tech disaster prevention. Folks, that brings us to the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests. Aline Sims, thank you so much for being here. I'm always happy to come talk with you all. And Aunt Pruitt, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I appreciate you all having me. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening in. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everyone out there listening, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.